everybody here. Let's turn it over to Tucker Carlson. Let's see what uh, Tucker has to say for himself. Carlson said happy Monday. The good news stories just keep coming. Here's one of them. So when the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade this past June, you remember this, Democrats howled in outrage. For weeks, every hour on MSNBC sounded like a plot summary from The Handmaid's Tale. Theocracy rising! They'll be burning witches! Liberals seemed genuinely upset, and probably most were, but on some level, not very deep beneath the surface, the people who run the Democratic Party weren't upset at all. They were thrilled. Here, finally, was an issue for them to run on in the midterm elections. It was an issue perfectly suited to a party that had nothing else to talk about. Are they going to brag about Joe Biden? I don't think so. So it was going to be abortion. They're going to take your abortions away. That was the Democratic message for the midterm elections, the ones that are coming up in just a few days. But there was a problem with the messaging. So COVID had just ended. And people, not being entirely stupid, still remembered that this very same Democratic Party, the same people, had forced the entire population to wear paper masks like children and then to take the shot as a condition of going outside. So women have the right to control their own bodies? Hmm, they used to tell us that. And then they fired thousands of nurses for refusing to submit to an experimental vaccine. So the phrase, my body, my choice, had been, as we say in the news business, overtaken by events. Clearly, Democrats needed a new slogan, a new way to talk about abortion. Unfortunately, nobody could think of one. Your body, my choice? No, that wouldn't work. It was too real. So in the end, liberals just dusted off the same old talking points and pretended like COVID never happened. Watch. The midterm election is now less than three weeks away. And in the final stretch, I've noticed, and I, I don't know if you've noticed, frankly, this the gaslighting of women voters, this message that says, oh, you don't really care about your right to control your own bodies, dears. It's the economy, stupid. You've got a media narrative that says that women don't really care about abortion, that women don't really mind if the states control their bodies. They don't care about that. They just care about the price of milk. Yeah, it would be a shame if states got to control people's bodies like telling people what to wear on their faces or what drugs they have to be injected with. That'd be like the Handmaid's Tale, theocracy. Next, they'll be trying to control what you read on social media. Oh, wait. <laughs> it's all pretty amusing. And the good news is that for once, lines this preposterous are not working. Abortion politics is a total fixation of Democratic donors. It's the main thing they care about. Why is that, by the way? It's a religion. It's a child sacrifice cult. But not everyone else feels that way, even Democrats. As the Daily Caller just reported, polls show that, quote, abortion is not a top priority for female voters. In fact, quote, most women support abortion limits that would have been considered unconstitutional under the Roe v. Wade precedent. Oh, so it looks like yelling about abortion is definitely not going to be enough to keep Democrats in control of the Congress. Are you surprised by that? No, of course not. You live here. So how did the highly paid and admittedly pretty smart strategists who figure out what the issues are in the Democratic Party so misjudge this one? Well, they did what a lot of us do. They forgot that not everyone is like them. Not everyone in America is as miserable as they are. In fact, there are still plenty of people in this country, believe it or not, who have happy marriages. There are still people who love their kids and their grandchildren, still people who consider babies a blessing, not just an obstacle to better vacation. 
Now, some of those people, maybe a lot of those people might still consider themselves, quote, pro-choice, but they're hardly pro-abortion. They don't think abortion is a positive good. It's not. They don't consider it liberation. And they definitely don't see abortion, as Janet Yellen recently claimed, as the answer to our national economic problem. She said that. So here's how it works. Janet Yellen gets rich giving speeches to the companies she regulates. That's corruption, but she's never charged. She's still free. In fact, she's the Treasury Secretary. And you, you get poorer. But we have a solution. You just need to have more abortions. That's what she said. That's the message they're selling. And maybe not surprisingly, it doesn't work. That's not what voters want. So what do voters want? What do they care about? Well, if you look at the polls, they care about exactly what you'd expect them to care about, which is the quality of their own lives. So they care about the economy and they care about crime. This is very obvious. You don't even need to look at polling to know it, but every poll shows it with maximum clarity. So how do the media respond to this? Well, of course, doing their job. They've done everything possible to minimize both issues, the economy and crime. They've told us the economy is not in a recession. No, it's not. When, of course, by every measure, it is very much in a recession. And on crime, they've told you, don't even talk about it. Only racists worry about crime. Racists, the one thing you don't want to be called. So how should Republicans respond to that? Well, we have video evidence. Here's Carrie Lake, who's running for governor in Arizona, deftly swatting away a reporter's claim that somehow people of color like crime. Watch this. A lot of people of color feel like they're a lot of people targeted. of color. A lot of people of co how many people of color have you talked to about that? I mean, if you look at surveys, um, which surveys I'm happy to I'm happy to look at those stats so, because so, I will tell you this, that I talk to people of color. I talk to all Arizonans. They're all concerned about the crime. Just because your skin isn't the same color as yours doesn't mean you want your kids to be walking down the street in an unsafe neighborhood. Every Arizonan wants safety and security in their neighborhood. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. And, I, and if you look at stats, you will look and see that, that police do not target people of color. That is a lie that's been perpetuated by the left and then spread and disseminated and re-spread in the media. Check the stats. <laughs> it's so great. So the reporter says, well, people of color are concerned about your crime policies. Because, of course, being a white liberal, all white liberals know, if they know one thing, that they have a right to speak for, quote, people of color. Not two people of color, something they really do, but four on behalf of people of color. So Carrie Lake just stops right there. Really? What, what people of color have you talked to? Uh. <laughs> Republicans, all Republicans running for office should watch that video. But in the end, you don't need to convince people that crime is real because they live here too. Crime is everywhere. In New York, crime on public transit is up more than 40%. And not just pickpocketing. Now, this, is, this video that we're about to show you is not an aberration necessarily. It just so happens this was caught on tape. But this is exactly the reason that people are afraid to ride the subway. This weekend, a man was pushed onto the tracks. You can guess the motive, actually, from watching this video. But we know with no warning whatsoever. Here it is. 
32-year-old David Martin is afraid for his safety after this random attack. He's in physical and emotional pain as he continues to replay this horrifying moment caught on camera over and over again. In this video, you can see that guy in the yellow hoodie shove him right onto the subway tracks. He zeroed in on the innocent commuter and then charged right at him. Martin ended up in the hospital, just grateful to be alive. Oh, this random attack. There are a lot of random attacks on the internet, you may have noticed. Are they random? Really? The person who did that is not being sought as a hate criminal. You wonder why. Um, but the point is, those kinds of attacks didn't used to happen. Now they're commonplace enough that you may no longer be shocked by them. But if you live there, you stay off the subway as a result. Crime in Philadelphia is completely out of control. For example, last year, Philadelphia recorded 562 murders. That is the highest homicide total since 1960. That happens to be the year the city started tracking homicide data. This year in Philadelphia, crimes like robbery with a gun are up 47%. Now, why is this happening? It's not an accident. None of this is an accident. Crime is rising as a direct result of policies designed to make crime rise. And at the same time, any effort by normal people, middle class people to defend themselves is immediately met with the full ferocity of the state. So this is an attempt, of course, to destroy the American middle class. Let's just be honest about it. This is crime with a purpose. They don't want to have this conversation, the people who did this. And that's why they attack you personally and morally if you bring it up. So in Philadelphia, a lot of these crimes can be traced to one man, Soros-backed DA Larry Krasner. He's decided not to charge many robbers with crimes. Arrests and charges for retail theft in Philadelphia have dropped by about 70% over the past four years. In that same period, reports of robberies jumped more than 20%. You see how this works? If you stop charging people with certain crimes, they commit more of them. That seems like an obvious observation. And again, it's more evidence this is not an accident. Larry Krasner is not an idiot. None of these people are stupid. They're doing this on purpose. They're trying to destroy. Now, why are they doing that? Well, we can't guess as to motive, but they're definitely doing it. So when asked about this, how does Larry Krasner respond? Shut up, racist. Watch. We're just looking at Philly right now in a superheated election cycle. We're part of the Republican playbook, as you well know, is to point a finger at large, diverse cities and say large, diverse cities are lawless. What we see here is the same old playbook, which is about coded and racist messaging. It's about blaming the biggest city in Pennsylvania with the most diverse population for having the same national struggle that we have with gun violence everywhere. Oh, diversity, racism, diversity, racism. Shut up, shut up, shut up. So here you have another white liberal deputizing himself to speak for people of color against his political opponents. Have you figured out how this works? Are you getting tired of it yet? Voters are getting very tired of this. So tired of it that even some Democrats have started to figure out, actually, maybe voters don't want to be are getting shot, raped, or carjacked, and then attacked morally if they don't like it. Kathy Hochul, who is in part responsible for the rising crime in New York, is now running last-ditch ads promising to fight crime. Oh, really, Kathy Hochul? But it's probably too late for her. She's losing to a Republican in New York. Pennsylvania is almost as Democratic as New York is, 
But the lieutenant governor now running for Senate there, John Fetterman, is also losing for the same reasons, we guess. His challenger is Dr. Mehmet Oz, who joins us tonight. Dr. Oz, thank you very much for coming on. So Good to be here. In the case of Fetterman, since he is currently an office holder, he can be traced. Not a big fan of listening to uh, politicians, so I might just uh, skip that. Okay, let me get my sound levels worked out. Let's listen to a little Richard South, Especially now, I mean, as, there, as the um, Russians start to ramp up these missile attacks and they start to hit Western Ukrainian like military infrastructure and targets, and um, yes. things like that. I think it's a well. yeah, escalation. There, quite frankly, if a bomb landed on about Vladimir Zelensky's head, would I lose sleep? Probably not. I don't mean to sound cruel, but I mean, this guy, what was he? He's like, like a comedian. It's like, come on. So anyway. <laughs> well, I, uh, well, I want there to be escalation. I, really? uh, I don't. Oh, yeah. So Richard Spencer, he wants escalation. He, he wants apocalypse. He'd, he'd like World War Three. I, uh. I, I mean, if you listen to what I've been saying, uh, I do think there's going to need to be some kind of catastrophe before something new is possible. I think that a Cold War... He's looking forward to catastrophe because then he'll have more prominence or an opportunity to have more prominence. Brings about a level of seriousness that is lacking when there's not that kind of fear of uh, death in the air. Okay, and, so sort of put, um, putting the pause button on the end of history, so to speak. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You kind of you there's there's just a, a level of seriousness that enters politics that is when there is some kind of outward threat and there is a some kind of sense of mission. Right. Um, I, I also do think that like people need to be challenged in order to kind of like understand who they are and, and what, and, and to, for the best qualities to, to come out. Obviously a lot of bad qualities come out of war as well, but. Hey, heck, uh, war, World War Three, catastrophe, escalation. Yeah. Millions of people might get hurt, but, but we need this guys. We need this. There, there has to be some kind of testing of what is the West, what is Europe. So I just think that the happier you are, the more well-balanced you are, the less you would encourage escalation, World War Three, catastrophe, and the apocalypse. Uh, Etc. For, for us to understand that, there, there does need to be some kind of conflict. You know, there has to be something sharpening the knife. I it's still like empirical evidence for that because I'm thinking of COVID and that led yeah. to like the uh, COVID anti-vaxxers and the, the 2020 was, yeah. uh, election was stolen. So why not? Okay, it's just kind of a dark, a dark thing, essentially looking forward to World War Three and escalation, catastrophe, millions of people dead, but then maybe we'll, we'll get wiser. But I do not look forward to that. But Let's get to the important stuff. Let's let's have a look here at how political leaders walk. All right, let's get to the beginning here. Okay, here's Obama. 
All right, that's a pretty good imitation of Obama. Here's uh, Obama in, in real life. So look at this, this good use, all right? Lots of width across his shoulders. Like his torso is long. His, his neck is not compressed. So that's a pretty good imitation. How are you? So you'll see there's a lot of freedom in the way Obama moves. Oh, look at that. Look at that. Look at that. That's beautiful. So when most people get on their knees like this, they don't have this excellent head, neck, back, you know, symmetry going on. Look at, look at that beautiful symmetry. I don't think that Joe Biden could do this, but very easily goes to his knees like that. So most people, as they get after about 40, it, it becomes much more difficult for them to get into a crouch. How are you? Can I shake your hand? So see, even though he's bending down, there's not a lot of neck compression. There's just a moderate amount of uh, neck compression there, but probably less than average. Good to see you. How are you? So there, yeah, reasonably free neck, just a mild amount of neck compression. Okay, see how his head is nicely balanced on top of his torso? It's not tipping back, it's not forward. So when he leans forward, his, his whole body and head, you know, move together. There's a nice head, head, neck, back relationship here when he moves. So he's at ease, like relaxed. Right now. Okay, see, nice free neck. Right, the, the head's not tipping back and pressing his neck. Uh, establishment is providing a 10% discount to all federal workers who are on the phone. What's the We can end this shutdown. And Joe Biden, his head is on top of his torso. His shoulders are wide. His neck is not compressed. Not a ton of facial tension. Barack Obama, like almost no facial tension. Look at this guy as a stud. A whole bunch of families, not just here in Washington, but all across the country. So he speaks without excess facial tension. That's amazing. We'll have the certainty that a paycheck will be coming, that they'll be able to make their more. And when he waves his arms around, he's not compressing in his shoulders or in his chest. Right. He's moving with ease. All right. Let's have a look at another leader here. Okay. This is Joe Biden. Right, that's an exaggeration. Now, one thing that this this comic is not really doing a great job on is noticing the difference in the neck, the neck compression between these these people. So, see, he's got a, a free neck, the head leading the torso into movement. Not sure how representative that is. Okay, By all of the Joe world, Biden. and one of the other things that uh, people will be focused on is. Okay, fairly free neck, right? His head is, is leading his body in movement. His head's poised on top of his spine. So good posture, good use of himself here. As well as Joe these Biden. executive orders that are due to be... Okay, so he doesn't have nearly the exaggerated walk that comedian gave us. ...dined on his desk today is who are the first world leaders... And, and when he, he raises his arms, there isn't a whole lot of distortion in his, in his torso when he's doing that. So, see, nice, nice width here across, across his shoulders. Not a lot of unnecessary compression in his torso. And, and when he raises his arm to wave, like a nice long arm, there's not excessive compression here in his shoulders.
So his head's leading, which is what you want. You want the head leading. Okay. Okay. So when, when he runs there, so look at that nice head, neck, back symmetry. That's really nice. So not, not much neck compression there. Like he's moving pretty well. Like it, it's, it's nowhere as bad as that uh, comedian made it. Okay, Joe Biden moving pretty well there. Okay, here he is imitating Donald Trump. See, he makes no difference in the, the all-important neck, right? There are more joints in the neck than anywhere else in your body. That means bone connecting with bone. And the, these connection systems then ripple throughout your body. So if your neck is free, the rest of your body is likely to be free. But if your neck is compressed, then you can have all these layers of compression and restriction rippling through your body. So this comedian is not taking much notice of how many people have distorted head, neck, back relationships. So let's have a look at how uh, Donald Trump moves. So, okay. So yeah, moving easily, head nicely poised on top of his torso. Not much compression here in his shoulders. So, yeah, I don't, don't think the, the comic's doing a great job with, with Donald Trump. So he moves fairly easily. Yeah, nice width across his chest, across his shoulders. Head balance on top of the torso. Now, he's got more forward head posture than, than Biden or... Barack Obama and uh, maybe a little more compression in the neck area but not a lot so like look at look at Baron look, okay see the Secret Service agent he's got a much you know freer neck taller neck so the Secret Service agents the more alert you are the, the more your head's going to rise up and, and the longer neck you'll have. So see these Secret Service agents, they're on high alert, and they've got these nice, long, free necks. Melania, very nice, long, free neck, while Donald Trump doesn't have much of a neck. But not bad. And not, not much uh, neck compression for Donald Trump. But look, look at these Secret Service agents, long, tall necks, free necks, they're alert. See how alert they are, swiveling around. Okay, so everyone we're looking at so far has got really good use, but Melania, very nice use. Now look at the symmetry and the poetry and the way that she moves. Right, brought across the shoulders. So generally speaking, women tend to have much better use of themselves. They tend to have fewer distorting muscular patterns because men tend to live more in an abstract world. So the more you're in an abstract world, the more likely you are to start unnecessarily tensing and compressing yourself. The more you're in reality, then the less likely you are to have these distorting compression patterns. Now let's have a look at some of the other political leaders here. All right, Macron. Yeah, that seems like a pretty, so a lot of tension there in the shoulders and the chest. A little bit like uh, George W. Bush. Okay, let's have a look at Macron here. Yeah, 
A lot of tension in the chest and the shoulders. Like the, the arms are not free. Right? His, his upper torso seems fairly immobile. But uh, nice free neck. But yeah, seems a lot of tension in the chest here. The arms are not swinging freely. At least the head is balanced on top of the torso. But what's leading when he walks? It, it seems like he's leading with his chest. So ideally you want the head to lead motion. So he seems to be leading with his chest. And just not much movement here. The upper torso just seems very immobile. Kind of robot-like. Notice how how his arms just don't seem to move very much. So there's a lot of unnecessary tension there in his arms. Right, Erdogan. Don't really know anything about Erdogan. So, and here's Putin. Right, so there's some downward compression there for Putin, but Boris Johnson probably has the worst unnecessary tension and compression patterns of any major world leader. Let's have a look at uh, Vladimir Putin here. Right, he moves easily down the stairs, head leading. So not much unnecessary compression, head leading the movement. Nice width across his shoulders and across his chest. Now his uh, left, notice how his left arm swings a lot more freely than the right. Okay, now we're getting the swagger. So notice how he's kind of tipping to the right side when he walks. So he, he tips to the right side when he walks. Yeah, so something's really going on with him. The the right side much more dominant than the left side. His left arm doesn't swing much. Let's have a look here at uh, Boris Johnson and Zelensky. Okay, so Boris, okay, notice the forward head posture, like the head really tipping forward. So think about how much weight that will pull on his spine. So you can hold up a weight, a 10-pound weight, and you hold it straight above not a big deal. But once you start tipping it either forward or back, then it adds considerable more strain. So Boris Johnson's considerably tipped forward as opposed to Zelensky. Zelensky's head just slightly tipped forward. So Boris Johnson, you know, he's got kind of a dowager's humpback. So yeah, Zelensky has much more ease. Uh, Boris, yeah, kind of stuck in forward head posture. Yeah, Zelensky looks a lot more relaxed, a lot less unnecessary compression. So Boris is kind of stuck in, yeah, Boris is kind of stuck in fight or flight. That's where, when you're in fight or flight, the head retracts back onto the spine. So you lose the neck and you kind of turtle in like this. So, and, and your shoulders start to rise up, right? So Boris Johnson walks around with about 20% of the fight-or-flight posture, while Zelensky, he moves much more freely. Look at that nice free neck. 
So, yeah, a lot of tension in here for Boris. Not nearly as free as Zelensky in his movements. Boy, Boris is pretty chubby, isn't he? Tell you, notice how Boris has virtually no neck, while Zelensky's got a nice long free neck. So even though he's at war, not a lot of facial tension here for Zelensky. He moves easily. He doesn't have the distorting muscular compression patterns of a Boris Johnson. Okay, who else do we have here? Okay, this is Erdogan. Let's have a look at Erdogan. Okay, so Erdogan, his, his head nicely balanced on top of his spine. A lot of tension in his upper torso. There seems to be something going on with the the left side of his torso seems quite distinct from the, the right as far as muscular tension. Seems to be tipping to one side like Putin. But he's got at least some some neck here. He's not compressing his, his head back onto his spine. Okay, let's have a look. This is Boris Johnson imitation here. Yeah, a lot of pulling down of unnecessary compression, forward head posture. Okay, Justin Trudeau. Yeah, Justin Trudeau walks very light in his loafers. This this comedian shows him leading with his hips. So is this how is this how uh, Trudeau really walks? Let's have a look again at uh, Boris Johnson and Zelensky. So notice, yeah, Zelensky's head is leading the way, but it's still on top of his torso, while Boris Johnson's head is, like, pushing forward much more. So see how his head-neck relationship is distorted, kind of push forward in the fight or flight, forward head posture, as uh, uh, chiropractors would talk it. while Zelensky, nice free neck, he's much, much taller, freer in his movements. And then Justin Trudeau, very light in his loafers, Looks like he's taken some Alexander Tech. Nice free free neck for Justin Trudeau. Nice width across his shoulders. Moves very easily. Not much unnecessary facial tension. Yeah, Trudeau does seem to lead with his hips. Uh, that seems to go first when he walks and then his, his head and the rest of him catches up behind. So if I were his Alexander Technique teacher, I'd I'd encourage him to lead with the head-neck relationship and then allow the torso to follow after that. But uh, a lot of freedom in his movement. Now, it is tipping a little bit side to side. Both of these men are kind of tipping side to side. And as they get older... They'll be more likely to get caught in a stranglehold of these unnecessary tension and compression patterns. So, yeah, it's a bit weird how much Trudeau tips uh, side to side. So there's something going on around his hips. That there's He's, he's probably got uh, one, one hip thrust forward much more than the other, which is distorting his whole musculature. So most people will have uh, anterior pelvic tilt with the right hip. If you drive an automatic car, you're using your, your right foot to step on the gas, to step on the, the brake, so you have more tension in your right leg. So you'll have anterior pelvic tilt, so you have the, the right side of your pelvis tilting forward, 
And then because the central nervous system wants to maintain the eyes level at all times, the back has to wrench to deal with the anterior pelvic tilt and keep your eyes level. So that's going to cause a lot of back pain. So most people have anterior right pelvic tilt. And then I think they tend to have a left shoulder higher than the right shoulder. But not with Trudeau. His shoulders seem to be about the same height for both of these men. All right, this is uh, Schultz, Olaf Schultz, the, the leader of Germany. So he's got, you know, he's got some little bit of length there in his neck. Got nice width across his shoulders. Uh, a lot of tension, it seems, in his chest area. So let's have a look at uh, Schultz. Come on, man, walk for me. So that's an American politician. I'm blanking on his name. I think that's an American politician. Okay, let's have a look at some more on this comedian. Yeah, that's a good imitation of Justin Trudeau. And this is Olaf Schultz. All right, leading with his head at least, kind of tipping forward from the waist as he walks. All right, this is the leader of Austria. So a much older man. Yeah, not very certain, kind of tipping side to side, a lot of tension in the neck, the back. Zelensky doesn't walk like that. Zelensky walks with much ease, not nearly those those uh, weird exaggerations. Right, here is the leader of Austria, President Vander Berlin. Let's have a look at him. Uh, give me some give me some video. Right, yeah, older guy. So I just have to take take your word for it, Mr. Comic. Okay, what else we got here? This is uh, Richard on Alex Jones. Migrated Halloween now. Is there a war on Halloween? Have conservatives claimed that? Liberals just hate Halloween. They want to take it Yeah, there's a war on everything, so. <laughs> um, so I, uh, I had a few thoughts about some things. Let me grab this book that I was working on. Um, so it, is the Alex Jones situation, does that interest you guys? I find the whole thing, well, it's sad, but it's sort of fascinating. Um, yeah. Just as a preface, I feel terrible for the parents that lost their children in this horrific act of terror, and his jerk-off fans are basically harassing them. I mean, it just, I just, I, I, I just have no words, quite frankly. Yeah, I mean, I, I have some ambivalence about the whole situation. Um, it's interesting that all of the conservatives circled the wagons on Alex Jones, and they basically said, Tense, right? A lot of tension in his forehead, around his lips, in his face. But a little bit of uh, free neck here. But uh, yeah, just kind of overwhelming amounts of uh, facial tension. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm picking up from the Fuhrer. Ed. You know, they're attacking him because he criticizes the regime, which is a, a common tagline that they've picked up on. Um, it's to kind of, I guess, objectify 
the government, you know, the regime. Similar uh, to the globalists. Airbus, exactly. Right? Like, like, who are, you, don't, you don't know exactly what it means. And, um, and they certainly wouldn't say that with regard to Trump. It would be like America. Um, I saw another line from Charlie Kirk, which was which is something that makes absolutely no sense. And they always use, which is, if they could do this to Alex Jones, think about what they'll do to you. So it's, it's this, I guess the notion is, if there is a sense to it, that Alex Jones has made, you know, millions off selling people diet plans and, you know, brain muscle semen oils and who God knows what. And so he has tons of money and high lawyers. So like, imagine what it'd be for you who's living paycheck to paycheck and, you know, they would just crush you. Well, of course, the answer to that is that they're not just going to go after random people on social media. I mean, at the very worst, they're going to take away your Twitter account, <laughs> uh, what, you know, whatever you want to say about that. They're not going to just start going after you through the court system. Um, the other thing is that, you know, free speech is truly dead or whatever. Well, free speech has never been an absolute right. And I, I've done my bit on this a few times uh, of my own ambivalence about the free speech legal notion that has been passed down from Oliver Wendell Holmes, at least at the Supreme Court Justice. Uh, those ideas weren't exactly his. But I, I do think there are actually some problems to that notion of free speech. Um, but anyway, the Blackwell, the kind of common law notion, is something different. It is about not preemptively taking away your ability to engage in speech. It is not necessarily not punishing you for your actual speech. And that is the original conception. And Oliver Wendell Holmes, actually, in his dissent on, I guess it was Abrams versus the U.S. government, I believe, uh, acknowledges this. And he acknowledges that the United States is something that is an experiment, a marketplace of ideas. And, I mean, to his credit, he acknowledged that he was actually putting forth a new conception of law in a dissent to a Supreme Court decision that actually upheld a prosecution of anarchist Bolsheviks handing out pamphlets in New York City or wherever it was. But Okay, let's see what uh, Chairman Mao, let's see what kind of use he has of himself. Okay, so a lot of forward head posture. Okay, he seems to have a lot of unnecessary muscular tension. Uh, okay, somehow I think this is a, a distorted... This is all, all distorted. Okay, let's... Uh, where, where's some Mao video, man? Okay, there's Mao. Okay. Okay, so a lot of tension in the, the upper torso. Okay, the head's starting to get forward head posture, the, the head tipping forward. You know, he, he's on his way to moving like uh, Boris Johnson. Now, at least his face looks at ease here. But uh, a lot of tension here in the upper torso. Let's have a look at uh, Saddam Hussein. Can we get some Saddam Hussein video here? Uh, all the Saddam Hussein video is is tied into it's tied into the AP. Okay, so yeah, nice nice long neck here. So when he's raising his gun, he seems to have some freedom of movement here. Uh, there's there's Stalin. Stalin, his head's nicely poised on top of his, his torso. So Stalin did a lot of bad things, but at least, at least his head's not tipping back and pressing his spine. Uh, George W. Bush had a lot of weird tension patterns. Come on. Okay, so there's Saddam Hussein. His uh, right shoulder seems compressed here. A lot of facial tension. Right, he doesn't doesn't look at ease with himself. And uh, let's have a look at uh, Uncle Joe Stalin. Okay, nice nice width across his shoulders. His head nicely balanced on top of his torso. Here he is at a women's meeting. Yeah, you see, he's very at ease with himself. So. So, some good use there by by Uncle Joe. Look look how happy he is. 
no no unnecessary tension in his face just moving easily oh he doesn't have much of his neck so i noticed a lot of tipping his head neck his head back compressing his neck but but here we've got a little bit more length on his on his uh neck so a lot of tension in the upper body uh his shoulders seem fairly compressed doesn't seem to have much length or width in his torso at least he doesn't have excessive uh, facial tension here okay but you know notions of defamation have never been protected speech uh, obviously you cannot use speech to break the law uh, you can't use speech to buy and sell drugs, say, and say, oh, this is my freedom, you know, my First Amendment right that you're jailing me for. And, and things like defamation have been out there. Now, defamation is much more strict in the UK, famously, uh, but it does occur here. And um, the way it's, you know, things like libel and these kinds of notions, the way they're understood is reckless disregard for the truth or some kind of malice. So in effect, you have the right to be wrong, obviously. So, you know, you're not, you could, uh, I don't know, if someone is murdered, you could speculate that about that online. Oh, I think it was uh his uh business partner and if you aren't you know maliciously trying to demean this person that is i would imagine covered by free speech but just maliciously disregarding the truth and claiming that so winston churchill had a lot of forward head posture like his head was very much uh, tipping forward doesn't have much of a, a free neck here so he like i noticed as he'd get older he's kind of tipping more and more a lot of unnecessary tension for old winnie Come on, give me some, give me some video here. Where, where's the video of Churchill, mate? This is Sir Winston Churchill resigning, and I'm not seeing. There we go. Okay, so yeah, not much left out of his neck, but he's still able to bow. But you'll notice with a lot of uh, photos, he's got very much the forward head posture. Not much, not much neck. His head's just often tipping back onto his torso, causing all sorts of compression. Now, what about Gandhi? So Gandhi seems to have a, a pretty free neck. There's Gandhi. Yeah, moves very easily. Look at that ease. Look at that grace. Head nicely balanced on top of his torso. A lot of freedom. Look how easily you can move his head around. You can move your head around that that easily when you don't have unnecessary tension and compression patterns in your in your neck. So yeah, Gandhi just moving beautifully here. Like he, he allows the, the head to lead the movement without just tilting over. Look at just the freedom in the legs. Yeah, it just seems to have a lot of ease and freedom. Just very alive to the moment. So the more muscular tension you have, the less flexibility and freedom you have with your thinking, with your emotions, and with your movement. So good on you, Gandhi. Very free and impressive movement. That, you know, Jim Bob Womack, he actually, uh, he murdered his wife or whatever. You're doing that without any evidence or any semblance of reason, and you are defaming him maliciously, particularly if you have a motive to do it. I guess Alex Jones's motive was to uh, just, you know, isolate a target and then get his fans whipped up into a frenzy and uh, profit off that, just create a kind of team uh, that is, you know, on to the truth and things like this. I, I can see it. And I, I can see how Alex Jones did absolutely engage in 
defamation. And, um, you know, a billion dollars, that seems a bit much, but, you know, there's no doubt if you put yourself in the shoes of these people, your, um, this unspeakable crime has occurred that affects you personally. And then you have some blowhard online saying that you and George Soros were engaging in some elaborate scheme to take away gun rights. I mean, I can totally understand that that would have caused hurt, heartache, sleepless nights, depression, outrage, etc. So I get it. Okay, that was Richard Spencer. All right, news. Hasidic school to pay $8 million after admitting to widespread fraud. So remember the Central United Talmudical Academy we were talking about a month ago where they had several thousand students, every single one failed the state of New York basic math and English test. Right, it's the largest all-boys yeshiva in New York State, and they are now going to pay $8 million after admitting to widespread fraud. They illegally diverted millions of dollars from a variety of government programs. They paid teachers off the books. They requested reimbursements for meals for students that they never provided. They took money intended to feed children and used it to subsidize parties for adults. So this comes six weeks after a New York Times investigation revealed that about 100 all-boys Hasidic schools across the state had received more than $1 billion in taxpayer funding in recent years. Most were denying their students a basic secular education. So since then, Hasidic schools have come under intense government pressure on many fronts with officials scrutinizing what the schools teach and how they manage their finances. So this academy will now subject themselves to an independent monitor for the next three years. They have 2,000 male students at one location, 2,500 female students nearby. So they were defrauding the government through many different programs, including school nutrition programs. The school paid many of its teachers and other employees in part with cash, in part with coupons and life insurance policies, making it seem as if the employees were earning less than they really were, allowing them to pay lower taxes and qualify for welfare. Well, this kind of fraud is rampant in yeshivas in America. So the school paid its employees at least $12 million in coupons. They also set up no-show jobs for friends of employees and other community members. They enabled their employees to receive welfare, New York City vouchers. They fabricated records. They made dozens of sworn misrepresentations to government agencies. They would claim they provided meals to school, meals to children on days when school was not in session. So rampant cheating and now they are going to pay $8 million back to New York. Um, and I think with Alex Jones, it's hard to defend him in this instance. But I don't think the conservatives are completely wrong when they suggest that they're going after him because he is the grand pooba of conspiracy theories. And even though this started before Trump, you know, that's kind of thrown into the mix. And it does become a kind of political and culture war. And I think that's true. It does have the feel of that, even if like the technical legal um, qualities of this are, are something else. Now, obviously, Alex Jones does himself no favors. He has apologized, I guess, but then he'll unapologize in some way and he'll attack the judge. I mean, he's, it, it seems like he's suicidal or he's just making it worse and playing up the fact that he's a victim when, in fact, this is an actual law. This is not some, you know, again, I, I'm not denying the political quality to all this, but it is a law in the book. So you got to get real here. But yes, it is a culture war as well. But I guess what I was thinking about this is that, um, you know, we have these, and this, this is something that certainly affects me personally as well. It reminds me of the Charlottesville case. Uh, I was never arrested uh, during Charlottesville. I might have, I don't know, preferred to have been arrested on some level uh, because it would have taken me out of that situation. Right. You, you really don't want to get sued. No fun. 
All right, Banner is saying Kanye is right about the Jews hung up over the 405 freeway in Los Just Angeles. This note on the bottom, it's so infuriating. It says, quote, these flyers were distributed randomly without malicious intent. I mean, what? So there's a whole slew of them. There's different types of flyers. Look, so Banner's flyers are not going to cause, you know, the beating, uh, the murder, the destruction of Jews, all right? Everything takes place within a context. So the reason that certain groups get targeted is not because of misinformation, right? It's not because of manipulation. It's not because someone handed out flyers or banners, right? People get targeted because there are very real conflicts of interest between groups, right? Human desires are infinite, but resources are limited. Not all groups have identical interests. Okay, you have group conflict. And when you have group conflict, you have winners and losers and people who suffer. So the, these banners saying Kanye is right about the Jews is going to make no material difference to the lives of Jews in Los Angeles or anywhere else unless you know Jews determine, decide to become, you know, incredibly upset and hot and bothered and worried about this. Fires in this case, this one says every single aspect of the Trump campaign funding is Jewish. Uh, there's other ones that list how 90 plus percent of people in the media are Jewish. It's all controlled uh, by the Jewish population. And it goes on and on. And that was just one of two separate incidents that transpired over the weekend. So let's show you video of the first one. This is from Saturday. This was the 405 overpass. And this disturbing scene unfolded right there. I mean, did the, the Westboro Baptist Church and, and their campaign to say God hates fags, is that really fueled homophobia in America? I don't think so. Right? It's just a, a freak show. It made the rounds on social media. The sign read, Kanye's right about the Jews, presumably referring to the rapper's recent anti-Semitic post. Demonstrators chanted behind that banner. They threw up Nazi salutes. And as the Jewish community was reeling from that, these hateful flyers were reported on residents' doorsteps in Westwood, Brentwood, Beverly Hill. I assure you the Jewish community is not reeling, right? The type of Jew who reels from something like this leads an empty life. They are clutching at straws to, to try to find something that, you know, gives their life meaning. Like any Jew who has a life is, is not uh, reeling from, from something like this, right? They, they've got you know, far more important things going on. ...and Bel Air early Sunday morning. It's believed both incidents are connected because they listed the same website linking to a hate group. We'll not be sharing that site or giving them the attention they seek. But here is video we obtained first on Fox of a car believed to be linked to this. So take a good look because cameras capture the moments that someone within that car flung flyers onto doorsteps in Westwood around... If you want to get hysterical, all right, you can always find reasons to get hysterical. So if you want to get hysterical about these anti-Semitic flyers, right, this is an opportunity to inject some, you know, drama into your life, to fundraise, to feel important, to, you know, be a, a holy warrior for your people. But anti-Semitic flyers, all right, are not going to lead to a large increase in, you know, violent crime against Jews. 1.30 a.m. on Sunday. Right now, you know what will lead to a vast increase in violent crime against Jews? The very same thing that will lead to a vast violent crime increase against non Jews, against Asians, against blacks, Latinos, white Christians, Muslims, right? And that is discouraging the police from doing their work, right? Glorifying criminals, you know, trashing the police, you know, arguing that the police is racist. So the Black Lives Matter 
the mainstream media agenda that the police are racist, that will lead to a large increase in violence against Jews, against non-Jews, against blacks, against, you know, Asians, against every single group. Okay, let's, uh, let's say hello to Duvid. Duvid, how, how's it going, man? Hey, Bruchem, Luke. Good to see you. What's, uh, what's new with you? Uh, thank God I tried to map talk with uh, John Wolf for first time we ever spoke. I think he uh, came across me from your show. He's uh, I call him my my big my biggest viewer. He watches almost all of my content. He uh, you know he's there occasionally. We can review Charles Moskowitz, and I guess he's got his own channel and kind of been doing satire of map talk, which I guess became pretty big. And so I figured, you know, give it a try. We'll stream like I was talking with you about, you know, how being an Orthodox Jew is kind of like the mafia. And like, you know, reality is I know a decent amount about the mafia, uh, not like crime syndicates or anything like that, but just, you know, like general Orthodox Jewish Italian uh, relations. So we gave it a try. He had a little bit of issues with his uh, tech. Maybe he has to invest in uh, your little, uh, microphone or high-speed internet but he's got 400 subs already and got over 100 views and i think he's relatively well known in the chats of uh you know various uh mob talks i'm not sure if you're familiar with the genre i know true crime is extremely popular and uh, i think john says after COVID 19 started that uh you you a lot of god forbid i guess like well-known mobsters turned to uh the internet and I guess like Angel Gotti, God forbid, you had that reality TV show, uh, uh, you know, growing up Gotti that I never saw, but, uh, you know, she's a popular live streamer. Um, you know, so like, God forbid, I figure, give it a try. Okay. Excellent. What, what do you think about, uh, Kanye West going death con three on the Jews? And now you get these Goyim defense league, uh, banner going up over the four Oh five freeway, and uh, some people like throwing up Nazi salutes and then some anti-Semitic flyers being passed around in, in, in Beverly Hills. Any thoughts on this? So, I mean, we were talking a lot about African-American relations because, like, historically, there's a lot of Italian-Jewish connections um, in mafia. But, like, definitely the main thing that, you know, Jews focus on today, like, even going back decades, like Mayor Kahan and the JDL, was in black Jewish violence. Um, you know, so the black Jewish connections are probably the most important across America as we live right next to them and we suffer their crime uh, and, and violence and, uh, you know, the black Jewish connections in politics and are embedded together in the Democratic Party. So it's an interesting strategy, like the Goyim Defense League just trying to get attention, um, you know, like, God forbid, to, like, Name the Jew Patrick Little in the old like a black uh, I mean a white uh, black coalition against the Jews. It makes sense. I even God forbid I saw Christopher Ben Jerkness like put out like some video like you're know, like sp speaking to Kanye West. He was like, please watch this video and team up with me. Like Kanye West, I will explain to you, um, you know, everything you ever wanted to know uh, about the Jews. I don't think it's going to lead anywhere. You know, like uh, maybe Nick Fuentes with the Christian nationalism, where Nick Fuentes is more open to like the alt light 
in having uh, based African Americans or a broader coalition that involves uh, African American Christian nationalists that isn't uh, white nationalist. Uh, but but I do think going going into election, uh, the black Jewish dynamics are extremely important, and likely Jews are going to have to make serious concessions, uh, politically, economically, and power wise to the African American community related to you know larger issues facing us going into elections. So Kanye West is paying a, a big price. He was dropped by his talent agency. Uh, he. You know, is encountering you know a lot of of opposition. I I don't suspect that that he has the in, internal fortitude to persist in a in a Jewish critical direction for for very long. I think it was it was some something that kind of passed through his thinking that he's probably had you know latent to a moderate degree, but I think he's going to realize this is not a productive path forward. Do you, how how long do you think he will persist with his Jewish critical perspectives? Well, I watched the Piers Morgan, and he kind of apologized in the sense, like, not all Jews. Um, and then I followed, like, Destiny and, the you know, the No Hoop Talk or some, like, rap talk. And I think he's voicing larger grievances of the African-American community where larger amounts will agree with him. So no, I don't think he's going to face any backlash on Piers Morgan. He said he had $120 million in liquid assets. So, you know, the censorship and everything like, you know, like if he's sitting on $120 million liquid assets, I mean, he's in your neighborhood, I guess, like, uh, I don't know what school he's sending his kids to with the, the basketball games and, um, and, and like Adidas, he's still one of their best selling brands. Um, it's ironic that the Jewish community has kind of centered around, I mean, and like the organized leftist Jewish censorship community has centered around trying to get Adidas to drop them. So the other organizations that dropped them were largely meaningless. Adidas would be a big deal because he's actually making a huge amount of money together with them and for them. I think, uh, you know, he's largely a billionaire because of his contract with Adidas. And I guess he left with, uh, Nike, and I, I believe he's making a few hundred million dollars a year with his contract with Adidas. So, God forbid, my guess would be the Jewish community will lose, and Adidas will not drop Kanye, and it'll be a defeat for the ADL in the Jewish censorship, uh, because you know generally, that's the trend of American culture: is Jews have white privilege, and they're not going to uh, deplatform. Uh, I mean, there's, they, they'll deplatform him from like social media, but they're not going to uh, uh, exert that kind of effect on him uh, yeah, because he's African-American. He's even calling himself uh, Jewish. He'll probably have some Jews that will stick up for him. And the the my, my bet is it's actually going to backfire. And I don't know if you watch the Piers Morgan where he said like he will stop when um, – African-American entertainers and athletes get to renegotiate their contracts with, you know, their Jewish uh, managers. And to some extent, I think he might win that battle. I mean, you don't, you don't see that, that he, no, no, my, my perspective is very opposite of yours. He's already paid a huge price price. He's lost his, his Facebook and Twitter accounts. He's lost his agent. He's experiencing tremendous blowback. And I can't think of any famous person who has persisted in an anti-Jewish 
direction in the United States. I mean, certainly no no famous billionaires or even close to that. I mean, Mel Gibson quickly dialed down his own anti-Jewish attitudes. Uh, Marlon Brando stopped talking negatively about Jews in Hollywood. I can't think of any famous rich American who has persisted publicly in, in being anti-Jewish. They all learn to regret it pretty quickly. Can can you think of any famous rich Americans who have persisted in a, a blatantly publicly anti-Jewish direction for very long? Yeah, but I mean, it's overblown. It's not, he's not really that anti-Semitic besides the death com. Um, I mean, one, if you say African-Americans that if, you, if the, that um, obviously he's the wealthiest African-American in all of U.S. history, um, but you're certainly from the music business. I think he's saying normal things that African-American entertainers and athletes have always been saying, and it's overblown. Really, it's just like his misspelling, the DEFCON. Uh, but you're really, he's just saying that um, Jews are screwing black athletes and entertainers and that uh, Jews control the narrative media voice when it comes to politics and African-Americans need to learn to speak for themselves and take the narrative back from the Jewish community. Um, so, I mean, that's my only mild anti-Semitism. And, uh, I mean, obviously the main name is Louis Farrakhan. I mean, he's not a businessman. He doesn't have large amounts of wealth. And Kanye West has already been affiliated with uh, Louis Farrakhan. And I don't think the Jewish community could really do anything to him. Even, okay, what does it matter? You're like, okay, I mean, God forbid he got kicked off Facebook and Twitter. But you're talking, okay, he lost his manager. He lost his deal with uh, working together with uh, that one fashion producer. But those weren't profitable. Like Adidas would be a big deal because Adidas is making money off of him. His you like, and I don't think Adidas is going to drop him. And if Adidas doesn't drop him, I think that's going to be a sign to uh, you know the censorship Jewish community of the limitation of our power. And I'd say you know also Donald Trump. Donald Trump towed the line uh, with anti-Semitic comments where there was almost consensus among uh, the leftist uh, you know ADL type community that that Donald Trump was blatantly saying anti-Semitic stuff, and he continues to do that uh, till today. So, yeah, I guess uh, Farrakhan is probably the most famous example of someone persisting in a in a Jewishly critical direction, but even he wasn't wasn't being blatantly publicly anti-Jewish day in, day out. I just remember Mel Gibson backed off very quickly. Uh, the... He just sent a few tweets, and, like, I mean, he's being interviewed, and um, did you watch his interviews? No. I find it painful to try to listen to him. But I'm saying he wasn't going on like alt-right conspiracy theories. He was saying that, uh, I mean, he was in the sense that he was saying, look, it's a fact that Jews are, you know, basically uh, control black media and entertainers. And, you know, so it might be an alt-right talking point. But if he said factually that uh, almost all African-American athletes and entertainers are assigned to Jews. Um, that you know, is anti-Semitic, but he's not really going across the line in anti-Semitism. Like besides for his one death com three statement, which he has rescinded and he apologized on Piers Morgan already for, he's saying just that 
Jews are reaming the African-American community in business and entertainment. And uh, from what I've seen, most African-Americans agree with that. I'm just I'm just having a hard time thinking about any public figure in America who's persisted in a in a Jewish critical direction for very long. They almost all seem to mend their ways very quickly once they pay a price. Okay, let's uh, let's open things up here to Ricardo. What's going on, Ricardo? Hey guys, what's going on, man? What do you think of this Kanye West thing? You know, I think that. Uh... I think it's like really weird that he's gotten onto like every major news channel. I mean, he does the Tucker thing and then CNN puts him on and all these major outlets want to talk to him. It's like, like, what do you, why would they, I don't quite understand that. That seems like very uncharacteristic in terms of usually they don't, um, you know, Richard Spencer got on is the only person I can think of, of like this kind of, you know, has this kind of uh, image in society and is allowed on these shows and he was set up as a fall man for something. So, you know, is is Kanye supposed to be some sort of like, you know, he, he's making the movement look ridiculous? The black Republican movement. I mean, they're, they're touting him out there to, to show that uh, why black should stick with the Democratic Party. That's interesting. But the thing is, like, I wonder if it, they fundamentally misunderstand blacks because I don't think blacks have any problem with the idea. Like, they're, like, projecting their, like, white liberalism tactic of, like, you know, look at the the, the racist white person you don't want to, like, be identified with. Like, the same thing that keeps, like, college-educated women out of the Republican Party. But, like, for blacks, especially black dudes, it's like, uh, yeah, like – we know, you know, we know who's got the whip hand in our community. I mean, their I mean, major industries are all controlled by, you know, I mean, basketball. Ricardo, you, we've been talking for a while. We talked to the biggest counter-Semites. Kanye West is not going hardcore anti-Semitism besides the one statement, DEFCON 3, on the Jews. Like, all of the major complaints that the counter-Semites give against the Jews, Kanye West hasn't gone anywhere with any of those. And when you've actually listened to his complaints... It's the same complaints that most black entertainers give, and it's specific to wanting to renegotiate his contract, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, and, and, are, are you claiming that Kanye West is like this raving anti-Semitic in league with the worst, or, or you just didn't listen to him where he just used provocative language? But when you listen to his complaint about the Jewish people, the only complaint he gave was entertainers needing to renegotiate their contracts. Right. And he, you know, and, and honestly, like the DEFCON 3 thing, you know, if you don't know, like, you know, you know, not only black guys, but like hype black guys that are like DJs that want attention, you know, to say, oh, I'm going DEFCON 3 on it doesn't mean anything. I mean, it doesn't like, you know, strong words are not, it's just noise. You know what I mean? It's, it's part of the show. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting in that. I think it makes a lot of sense that like white privilege could morph into something else. Like it's not a static force. Right. And I think like it's been building for seven years, the idea of like, well, like rich whites, cause not all whites have privilege, you know what I mean? And some have more than others. And I think, you know, 
I, I mean, I think I've said I've come on this show for four or five years and it's, you know, I've said that like, you know, these things are kind of inevitable and like the Christian nationalism thing, I think, and I think like maybe, maybe Kanye, like you said, like the black Republican, like trying, trying to keep blacks on the plantation and, and stop Christian nationalism for forming. I mean, that, that is truly like the thing they hate the most. And when I say they, I don't necessarily mean Jews. I just mean secular United States government. Now, uh, Ricardo, when I listen to Kanye West, it's like a painful, disturbing experience. It's like listening to someone who's retarded. Uh, What's your experience? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I don't think he's right. I thought you spoke drive, Luke. I mean, like, God forbid, like, Dubin's fluent in jive. He's he's not dumb, Luke, in that, like, he's obviously a, a – he has genius. I mean, he's made $2 billion, and he's not just one of these guys that, you know, is – you know, manufactured and paraded out in front of people. Like, you know, he's a producer – he's one of the big-time producer-level, like, hip-hop artists, like – Diddy or Master P or Dr. Dre, these guys who like have created, you know, they make music for other people and they own other guys, you know, and uh, he's no idiot, but he's definitely not like something, someone I can culturally identify with. You know, not only is he, you know, black, he's from California, so, or whatever, he, hang, he he's comfortable in California. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think he's an idiot, but I just, I, uh, my experience of listening to him is that it's akin to listening to someone who's retarded. Uh, I'm not saying he is retarded, but that's just how uncomfortable it is for me to listen to him. It's so disjointed. It's so all over the place. It's so nonsensical. Yeah, but do, do you take exception with, like, the facts of his statements? Uh, I didn't like, even is realize he saying, that Is he lying? Facts. I mean, we'd have to look at the statements one by one. It, it, to me, it's, I mean, it's just so incoherent. It, it has nothing to do with Jews. It's just that it's just so uncomfortable for me to listen to anyone who talks like he does. In, in It's just so, ugh, it, it's so yeah. irrational sounding. Yeah, can, can I confess, I, I honestly have not watched more than like, 90 seconds of these appearances like i've seen these clips and like i'm aware of what he's doing but i don't like i guess because i mean i'm sure you can relate to this like i've been so steeped in dissident politics that like there's nothing new under the sun and to listen to him talk about it is just to like you know i don't know it's It's like listening to uh, it's like listening to a retarded person talk about things that you've heard and i'm not saying he is retarded i'm just saying he sounds retarded there are a lot of people who sound retarded who aren't retarded he sounds retarded like you know there's just certain certain ways of speaking that i just i just can't stand listening to no matter what their perspective is and and kanye west is one of them i mean i can't stand rap you know i can't stand rappers rap you know that whole that whole disgusting subgenre, it just freaks me out. It's like I'm not into transsexuals. I'm not into rap. Well, I mean, if, if you're, I mean, because we've been covering counter Semitism since we started. And, you know, so I, I Nick Fuentes' point on it, and when he talked to a hip hop, hip hop, uh, you know, No Jumper channel, was, you know, the claim that Jews control your know, media or entertainment 
if anyone knows, it's going to be Kanye. Yeah. And you know, to a certain level, okay, you're there in Hollywood, and you're saying that, that Kanye is saying like, no, it's Jews. Like, trust me, I've worked with all these people, and they're basically all Jews. And he called it the Jewish mafia. And if he's saying he has a dispute with Jews, and even Piers Morgan, I watched all his interviews because, like, I live with African Americans, I talk their language, um, you know, or at least I understand their language. It doesn't bother me. But uh, you know, Piers Morgan was even, and Andrew Cuomo was kind of agreeing, like, okay, so be it that you have a dispute with Jews, but why are you blaming the whole of Jewish people? And so Kanye was just like, well, that's how we do it. You know, like, uh, you know, I'm going to go after all of your people until you convince them that they got to stop. And then here's yeah. what got Kanye to apologize. You know, it's not right for me to go after all the Jewish people. It's just the specific Jewish people that are screwing him. And I watched his, uh, interview on uh drink champs he gave names and like luke you're there in hollywood you should know those names and he probably specifically means it he's like these guys are jews i'm their business partner and they're collectively reaming me and you know maybe uh, i don't know if that's i mean you say if that's anti-semitic in the sense to say that he's legitimately saying there's black jewish group conflict in the similar way to other types of group conflict and one of the major areas of black Jewish group conflict is entertainment and athletic management and the deals. And, uh, you know, from my, I, because I follow black uh, you know, media, most of them, besides for like the apologists that were put out to make statements, said that they agree with his complaints. And if he's like a union leader that wants to renegotiate, uh, contracts are just like the democratic party is blacks are tired of working for jews and a lot of blacks agree that why are we working for jews we should be working for ourselves uh ricardo you're smoking crack right now i'm not judging you i'm just curious <laughs> no i'm not <laughs> i mean yeah, but yeah, you're, so you're smoking something good bro you know just share is is it the weed is it vape i mean are you like walking upstairs what's going on no, nothing. I, I'm this just pacing around the back. Okay, this is a yeah. safe space, bro. And uh, I'm, I'm just you know, concerned about your health, bro. Are you are you working out these days? I am still okay, twice a week. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. I mean, you can defend so, the Jewish management and say, like, look, dudes, like we got higher IQs. We know what you're doing. You're not competent, and you could try to run your own businesses, but it's not going to work out. And you're going to come running back to us and end up in even worse contracts than you were in before. Uh, but I think the Jewish community is likely to cave. And I think that, uh, you know, I think they're going to win this battle in terms of the democratic elections and the Jewish community is going to make a whole bunch of concessions to the black community in the sense that, uh, you know, like uh, the replacement theory where um, because Jews are like 25% of the whites in most urban areas, and Jews disproportionately have positions of power, but because we're in the urban areas, we're the ones who are going to be replaced. And, you know, like I've mentioned this many times, but like if you're in Chicago, Miami, Baltimore, L.A., New York, and a person has blue eyes, there's like a 30 percent chance that they're a Jew. And when the blacks election to vote for the Democratic Party 
is like we want to see more black faces in positions of power. It's not going to be whites in red areas that are being replaced. It's going to be Jews in blue areas that are going to be replaced. Ricardo, you were saying something before I rudely interrupted you. No. Um, listen, I just think like what Kanye is observing is the same things that like Steve Saylor observes in terms of, you know, I'm t he takes in like a set of data, which is like his personal experience in this space. He perceives that probably like agents, uh, agents coupled with like all the, the industry executives, like in sports and entertainment, um, et cetera, are all, you know, of a certain group. And, um, he doesn't probably has like run into a roadblock where he's unable to like advance up the pyramid himself. You know, he's held out of like the true top of the business and you know, he's generalizing uh, like he perceives like certain traits about these people. And statistically he's probably not wrong in general, you know, but obviously like, you know, there are, you know, races have certain gifts and uh individuals like don't always follow the trend but like i just you know i think it is like a watershed moment that like somehow this like big public figure is like going on tv and not just once but like multiple times like going on and like just like blasting blasting jews as jews i mean that's crazy man who would you have thought that that was possible like oh, it's personal I got two years of, like after charlottesville his wife is getting cuffed by a half Jew. I mean, it's probably personal, and that's probably oh yeah, 100%. part of the reason behind it. He's like every time I interact with a Jew, he's I'm getting fucked. <laughs> like I, either. I think he should he should dip into the untapped talent in the African American community for accounting. I mean, think about all the fantastic African American accountants and financial advisors and, and attorneys and talent managers that are out there that are just this vast reservoir of untapped talent, and yet he keeps turning to the Jews. Why doesn't he turn to his own community for financial and accounting advice? But, but, but like, why are all the accountancies coming across Jews? Like, why is every agent Jewish? Like, why is every executive Jewish? Like, yeah, know, there's why plenty are, of, why there's are plenty of talented... players black? I mean, you know, blacks play basketball, Jews play with numbers. Did you show the Hollywood, the, the GDL video I shared to you? Yeah. Like, I mean, God forbid, like, why is the mayor of Hollywood a daughter of a Holocaust survivor? You say, well, because Hollywood is literally 30% Jewish and uh, it was just demographically that that saying the mayor of Hollywood is literally the daughter of a Holocaust survivor. Yeah, but I think like, you know, the Ethnic Affinity Network has its strength because of its, like, ability to, to like, bind across space where you have, like, you know, New York Jews and L.A. Jews with, like, an affinity that's, like, not necessary, like, that doesn't have a, a you know, like a, uh, an analog in the, in the uh, Christian community. You know, there's just not that, like, tight-net network of traders. Wait, wait, so if you moved locations. to New York or Dallas or Los Angeles, you wouldn't have a ready-made network of, you know, fellow, uh, you know, Protestant Christians who, you know, could set you up? Well, no, not like in the way that, I mean, 
they would, but like, or there would be a group like, but at like a certain, if I was poor, so like, you know, if like I really needed it, you know what I mean? But like amongst those who are self-sufficient, it's like, no, because like the community is like the community that you can see. And like, there's the people you live around is localized is how I think a community. But and, I mean, the Presbyterian influence in Hollywood, I mean, the, the stranglehold they have over, you know, movies. Yeah, I know. I they wouldn't be able to put to push me up the ranks. But no, so I think like listen, I just think uh I think it's healthy that Kanye is able to do this, honestly, because I think it does need to be said like what Piers Morgan said and Kanye to admit is like a very human like that's some that's some real stuff. Like hey, you know what? We maybe we can you know, yeah, you've dealt with some fucked up Jews in your life. I get it, Kanye. I get it. So it's not generalized, though. Like, or maybe, like, I don't know. Like, it's not all, right? Like, in every aspect. Right, and but I think how, that, how long do you think he'll have the balls to keep doing this? Because no one in America, of which I'm aware, has managed to stay public and famous and be Jew critical for very long. They all back off really, really quickly from Mel Gibson to... You know, every everyone else who's gotten out of line with the Jews, they've all backed down very quickly. How how long do you think Kanye Not is going to keep it up? African Americans have always been able to walk the borderline. You know, like go the mental ill, um, especially like rappers and entertainers, like you know Ice Cube and Ice T said way worse things back in the day. Now they're you know denouncing Kanye, uh, but uh, I, I think it's been you know, like there's always been an exception in racism where darker peoples are held to a lower standard yeah and uh, you know I, w- I would definitely say that almost and, all the major entertainers african-americans have had minor bouts with anti-semitism saying almost the exact same thing yeah that kanye has and have done only half walkbacks and and here's the other thing is I mean, aretha franklin had uh, in detroit bill clinton came and they had louis farrakhan by the funeral and jewish group protested and Bill Clinton sat next to Louis Farrakhan because Aretha Franklin's family insisted that he was there. Yeah, and the thing is, like, they also have enough, like, within their community, like, hating on Whitey is not, like, a moral crime, right? And they have enough wealth. I mean, listen, one of the reasons, I, I've come to the realization that, like, one of the reasons, like, all these companies, at least with the racial stuff, have, like, or, or I, I would say when I watch NFL commercials and everyone I see is like Mocha Brown, right? Like yeah. everyone's mystery meat or Latino or black, right? And it's because honestly, that's what their audience has become. There's been this bifurcation where like white people are watching college football and like what, like the people watching the NFL are, it's becoming like a more NBA like audience, you know? And did, did, because these people like have the numbers now and the and like the 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 economic weight where like if Kanye wants to be like the king of the browns and totally alienate the Jews like he could be like but and still have long, money how like, long can he keep this he up? has a 20 he I has get, 120 million in the bank and he's, he's gonna an cock he's gonna cock it within two well, weeks I don't think he'll keep this going for two months let alone two weeks I predict he wins I, predict I think he it's wins. even good for the Jews that he beats yeah, the ADL, that all the major Jewish censors come out it demand that he gets censored and, lose, and, and then and Adidas lose. doesn't drop them. And like, you know, there'll be a certain coalition of the, of the right with that wants to see the ADL lose 
and they can't do it for fellow whites. Uh, but uh, you know, so Kanye, um, you know, based on uh, you, you know, God forbid that uh, you, you know, it's gonna they're not gonna be able to drop them like that. The hutzpah has to get checked before it just sets you. I mean. But Kanye West, this is like this is like taking candy off a baby. I mean, well, that's Kanye how, West that's, talking that's to That's irony. That's the beauty of it, actually. <laughs> like a that's little child what's so amazing about them. this. A little child, yeah. a retarded little child, shall lead them. I don't know. No, but I think like he he sort of sounds disjointed because like he analyzes things like in a totally different way than <laughs> than you do for sure. Than you do for sure. But like I feel like. Uh, you know who probably certainly gets Kanye is Godward. You know he does. He yeah, has it's like to. a personal form. Like there's a half Jew, God forbid, moving in on his ex-wife. You know, like I don't think he's going to drop it. Like it's personal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like O.J. Simpson, uh, you know, killed a Jew, and yeah. it's saying like, well, he was banging his wife. God forbid. And it's just like Kanye, Kanye West. Like it's personal. But you're you're assuming like one twenty million wife. is not enough. Like hundred and fifty well, guys have banged Kanye's wife. Yeah, for but it's personal and like right now there's a Jew publicly doing it and bragging about it. Yeah, and the, she's he's the father of her children. He's not just he's had like <laughs> he three kids so with her. Proud. Well, uh, it is what it is. Uh, Lex Friedman versus Kanye West is more neurotypical. <laughs> Kanye West. Yeah, <laughs> Lex Friedman is is a sick puppy. I don't know what's wrong with him, but I don't trust him at all. Well, I mean, he's a Jew who might back him. So it's saying, I think there's a lot of Jews who are going to back Kanye, and uh, and you're going to show the divide where you have the unified ADL leftist political establishment. And I think it'll backfire that Kanye West is going to say that uh, you know because reality is you know the Jewish narrative of like. Jews having helped out in civil rights and uh, anti-Semitism is much higher than among blacks. Like I mentioned this all the time when people tell me like, how do I talk with these alt writers? Like I'm in Detroit, like people on the street say this and worse to me all the time. And the ADL polling shows it itself that like anti-Semitism is significantly higher among anti among African-Americans than whites. Right. So, so African-Americans get created on a, on a curve. Like, you know, they'd have to do something 10 times as bad as a white person or a non-black person to to get, you know, much uh, pushback. Like, like the, the it's, it's kind of like the Palestinians, right, and, and the Arabs, right? You know, they'd have to go out and, you know, kill a thousand people before they get as much pushback as, say, Jews killing five people. I mean, if he sticks with his focus, I'd say he wins. If he turns anti-Semitic, and starts saying just like random anti-Semitic, like he apologized about the death time. He apologized to unaffiliated Jews, but if he sticks to attacking Jewish control of media and uh, you know black politics and saying like why are there so many Jews on the board of the NAACP and to these you know narrow things, I think he's going to win. Dude, it's um, right. He's but just if, if he goes like if he goes unhinged and just start saying random anti-Semitic things that aren't things that most Africa, that a sizable amount of African-Americans agree with, uh, you know, he'll probably win. But like, you think he's going to like bring up the slave ships? No, I, I think he's just going to focus on the issue he cares about what he said. He wants to renegotiate contracts. 
there. He should get a black talent manager and a black attorney and black uh, black accountants to to do his money and like. God bless him. I mean, the idea of Kanye West having a disciplined strategy is hilarious. Luke, he wants you to go in Hollywood and tell the Jews, like, look, the blacks are serious, and we're going to start getting our asses kicked if you guys don't let these guys renegotiate their contract. You're kind of like Eric Adams running for mayor. Like, Jews were getting our asses kicked every day, and some of it was serious, and it was just random black guy beating up random Jewish guy. You covered this on your show and all of a sudden, Eric Adams is mayor because we're tired of getting our asses kicked. And so Kanye West just keep the pressure up. And your average Jew, like, I'm scared that these blacks are going to kick our asses. And so much so that, Luke, you must demand that the big Jews in Hollywood renegotiate their contracts. So so let me ask, is because uh, what is the... What is the Jewish like? What what, what are they going to say at Shul this week about Kanye West? Yeah, like, it, is he worrisome? Like, is he a pest? Oh, they talk about you know what's this retarded? <laughs> did you hear what this retarded guy said? Uh, it, it's like the, the same sort of reaction to a a two year old pulling out his penis. It's like <laughs> you know that's kind of inappropriate. But, yeah, so, but that's so, what like what is it like? But doesn't excite you with terror? Because like, he has so much influence that blacks that your black neighbors who follow him that think anti-semitism is going to be okay and then god forbid you know your buddies and shul are going to get beat up on the street by a random person i couldn't i couldn't that's get the, anyone that's, that's, that's really, you agree that I, that's I could, the fear loop they're not scared about what kanye west is saying they're scared that your neighbor is going to beat you up i couldn't get anyone to hold attention on the kanye west topic for even one minute like i tried with, with a dozen dozen jews at shul over, over the holidays over, over shabbat and, and no one can even keep their attention for a minute he, he's just you know such a, a boring you know deluded uh, character so no one no one that i know in my jewish community can you know think about kanye for 60 seconds but i mean you agree when you guys start getting beat up on the streets that that will get your attention, God forbid. That's what the people are scared of. Well, the, the Jewish community has paid a great deal of attention to to crime, and so they've evolved all sorts of fairly sophisticated and effective methods for reducing it. So though we've had a pretty big uh, violent crime upsurge in the past two years, uh, generally speaking, Jews are not the major recipients. So Jews have all sorts of, of ways of dealing with the rise in crime that tend to be fairly effective. Because L.A. is Hispanic-driven, but in other areas, um, you know, it's basically, I mean, also in L.A., but but it's saying because you need peace between the black and Jewish communities. And well, if you could, uh, you know, so in Detroit, the, the black leaders denounce Kanye West, and you have all the alliances coming out and speaking that Kanye West doesn't speak for the black community, and we love the Jewish community, and various things. But, uh, you know, it's unlikely that... Uh, uh, you, you know, so that you know, it's just I said it's an election tactic like Trayvon Martin and and you know, saying like, okay, scare Whitey or get uh, but uh, you know, to renegotiate power structures and uh, you know, we'll see where it goes. Yeah, that's you know, never like, going to happen. Jews aren't going to renegotiate power structures with blacks because of any movement <laughs> Kanye West leads. They did, they endorsed Eric Adams in New York. Because we he was the most conservative of all the candidates. He, he was he the was, toughest was, on crime was of all the candidates. Getting their asses kicked. 
on the street every day. You were sharing the videos. Every day, Jews were getting beat up by blacks, and that's why we endorsed Eric Adams. So so uh, let me ask you, like in, in other like election-related topics, you, you guys see these uh, – the Democrat – the Democrat caucus, like the 30, the 30 house Dems who've like are looking for a peaceful solution to uh, the Ukrainian war. Yeah. That's fantastic. I mean, that's, no, I, I think, think it's, I think it's really great. Yeah. And, but it's, it's like, you know, I just wonder like how much, if there's any relationship between like Kanye, like is Kanye some isolated incident or is he like given rise to maybe like a growing awareness of, maybe the nature of our foreign escapades, like does Zelensky like being the poster boy, like mean anything to like most Americans about like who, and and, like the fact that the entire state department is like, you know, distant cousins of Zelensky. Uh, Was it really Tucker? I mean, you play Tucker every night and saying really Tucker just used Kanye. He knew what Kanye was going to say. Yeah. Yes. And and Tucker wanted to say, what yes. Kanye said, he knew because he's got blue eyes, yes. he would be completely canceled if he did it. Yes. So he just interviewed Kanye to say what really Tucker wanted to say. Yes. Yes. Yes, exactly. Like, that is like, like, hey, guys, look, like, are you signing up for the military to die for these people? Because, like, you know. Well, obviously, Americans don't want World War Three. Like Ukraine's not a, a big issue for Americans, but it is. It's kind of amazing. It's a, almost a unanimous issue for America's elites. Can Can you see a bigger discrepancy between the focus of American elites and the focus of Americans? Americans, like any other people, don't basically care about anyone aside from Americans. Like Americans are not all up in arms about Ukraine or Russia or Australia or any other country, but America. That's the nature of what it means to to be human. You care about your group. And yet American elites are almost universally behind. We must send tens of billions of dollars to Ukraine and risk nuclear confrontation and World War III for, for something that it has absolutely nothing to do with America's best interests, has nothing to do with America's strategic interests. So you have something like 98% of America's elites saying we must massively subsidize Ukraine and maybe you know less than 1% of Americans who feel the same way. I mean, what a huge discrepancy between elites and regular Americans. I would love to know what the real what the real um, difference is. I'm not sure what it is. And, and like how it breaks down, like when you say elite, like normally I like throwing elite around. It, it does have usefulness. In this case, like I think it kind of obscures because is it – it can't be unanimous. I, I can't believe that. But like is it a neocon thing? Like is it one of those? Like or is it – you know, defense contractors is just like the whole military industrial complex. But which you know, elites have spoken out against it? I mean, almost none. That, that, that's why it's so easy. Liberals are on board with arming Ukraine. Republicans are on board, generally speaking, yeah. they're a little less than liberals with arming Ukraine. Uh, neocons, of course, are. The, the only exception are the Trumpists. The, the Trumpists are the only Well, and now exception. the progressives. Now, now, now I, I mean, I saw Rashida Tlaib yes. on TV. Now, that yes. may be, uh, you know, the election's coming. I don't know. You know, Democrats always get in line, man. I don't, I'm not that worried about, or I'm not that convinced by them. But, because um, they don't pay any real, like, social price for, 
anything, uh, you know, anything they do. So, I mean, um, it's crazy that we're risking World War Three over Ukraine. It's, it's crazy that we're risking a nuclear conflagration of Ukraine. It's crazy we've got a president of the United States talking about how, you know, we're, we're closer to a nuclear apocalypse than at any other time. And this was totally chosen on the part of the United States. We never tried to resolve this conflict short of war. Uh, we, we never tried to arrange peace. We just massively subsidized Ukraine. And, and it's ironic that Donald Trump, who got into so much trouble because he delayed sending arms to Ukraine and got almost got impeached over it. Like if Donald Trump had been reelected, we wouldn't have this conflict going on right now. Well, you know, listen, I mean, I don't know. You know, obviously there are cynics and then there are true believers. Right. And I mean, there's obviously people that are bought into these narratives and everything. The cynics. You know, when it comes to war, America loves, you know, these conflicts where they can, like, sell missiles and sell, you know, rounds of ammunition and, like, training services and just, like, enslave these people in debt while, like, you know, grinding the people up, like, and sell, you know, putting people to work and making money here in the United States selling weapons. I mean, it's sick. And, you know, and, and it's a very dangerous game. But, like, that's the United States of America. It, it clarifies to everybody that our elites and government don't really represent us. No. In, they're, in, they're, in, they're in, in power. Out. Yeah, they're, they're, they're legitimacy. The Jekyll of, the creature of Jekyll Island. Yeah. That these general processes of, you know, screwing the citizens are the same, whether it's the Democrats or Republicans, that, uh, you know, there's power structures, there's benefit, and... Uh, you know, it's unclear that that's why, you know, God forbid, balkanization, the decline, fall of America, that uh, the political process can save us because it's going to be one person that wins and chances are they will be corrupted. doesn't matter well, who they are that, uh, you know, you could get your guy, but by the time he's there, he's going to be corrupted. Well, I think what's happened is like American legitimacy is collapsing, like because – and I think this is probably a process that – started after the cold war where like you know without these external enemies um they didn't like need to cling to moral legitimacy as much and they let the mask slip over time i mean militarily with the red line against Assad under obama was one of the first times where america gave this military like if you do this it's over and then he did it and nothing happened um, but uh, I mean, certainly there's been. Well, no, I'm not saying that it's. Much, well, uh, well, you're you're speaking to them being weak. I'm saying that America, the American government, has like lost the for the people by the people, um, like moral legitimacy. They, they, I mean, everything we talk about, you can list thousands of problems why America's coming apart. Yeah. Go ahead, Ricardo. Finish your finish your point. Make your point, Ricardo. No, I'm I'm just saying I'm saying that I'm saying that like once that it became eroded, it's like now I don't think their ability to like to to generate an army. I mean, there's no political will, you know. And we're like, it, it's kind of interesting because I know growing up, like I just never figured, like I never understood like how governments fall because our government seems so like permanent. You know what I mean? And like and then to see like basically since the election, I would say we're like COVID leading into the election. I mean, that whole year, 2020, like America just 
it the the flag no longer represents the people and stuff. I mean, it's just com- totally broken. And so now, like, the door is open for just someone to step in and take control. And I think, like, you know, um, you know, up until this rich, even still, like in in the United Kingdom, I think, like, if Charles was so inclined, he could like seize power. I think Mulbug wrote some post about this this week. And I think he's right. Like, I think that, you know, you have these crises of leadership and, like, people are thirsty for leadership because there's so many problems and all they see is bickering, you know? I think we have to confront the the demon question, Ricardo, the the possibility that many of our elites are possessed by demons. Oh, I think they are. Well, like, (laughs) yeah. I mean, basically, they've... The the Jewish view on it, whether as Jews we should bail on America and switch to Israel. and In fact, we should try to transfer as much power and wealth to Israel as possible, that we have a better future there. And there's certainly a push in the Jewish community. Uh, You know, you've had people like, uh, you know, Judas Maccabeus and, uh, you know, even probably people you go to synagogue that to some extent that's what they're thinking. They have family, kids. They've invested in Israel, and they're looking at two-way. Like our our future in America is shaky, but but uh, Israel's not secure enough. Therefore, we have to transfer our wealth successfully to Israel, or you know, make the last few acts of America while America still has power. Uh, things that strengthen um, Israel, which you know could be as a group strategy, a good idea. So you and uh, you know, certainly you've had many Israelis and right-wing Jews advocate that on your channel. Okay, uh, Ricardo, you got cut off, so why don't you articulate more the uh, the demon question? <laughs> I, dude, I... <laughs> dude, I just think, like... I think, like, we're totally corrupted. I think that, like, we weakened our people. Like, look how they've... I mean, the obesity, the... Uh, feminization of men like our values are like complete inversion we export the rainbow flag all over the earth i mean aren't these like don't don't jews believe in satan isn't it david is is there like a satanic concept in judaism and there's judaism and there's jews what jews collectively believe <laughs> and then well what's, the religion Ju- what's judaism I didn't, yeah, is I didn't judaism know. what jews do or what the religion teaches uh, the religion, because at least you'll understand what I'm saying. Yeah, there, there are concepts of a Satan, uh, uh, you know, uh, an, uh, someone who argues with God, and there there are notions of e- evil spirits. In there is evil. Yeah. And, that, and like, we don't need to, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't need to be like these physical embodiments and things like that. Like, it, it's a metaphor. But I yeah. think it's like, I think it's, I think it's just as valid if you think of it as like real entities, honestly. It doesn't really matter, because... That doesn't matter to me because I think the concept is real. And, uh, yeah, I think, like, civilizations, like, societies, groups of people, like, sin enters them and they are destroyed. I mean, look, what happened to the Jews all throughout the Old Testament every time they veered off God's path? They were punished. I mean, fuck. I mean, what's more, what's, what's more Jewish than, like, the concept of, like, you know, forsaking God's laws and being brought low, by, you know, and, and pushed into slavery as, yeah, a, as a result. 
but I mean, as I said, what is, is Judaism? What Jews do? Or right. So what? Is, so, so right. So like, both, so do exist. Like, what are the nation? What has the Jewish nation been up to for a while? And like, wouldn't it be like? I'm not saying. Like, what if Kanye West is like some, you know, vessel of like God's punishment? It would not be like, and I'm not cheering for any of that. Like, it's outside. It's outside of whatever. All right, we are not. We're powerless to, you know. It's just happening. He's got that interesting angle where he calls himself a Jewish and he defends he can't be anti-Semitic because he's Jewish. Yeah, nice. and, and like, there's nothing really that bothers the Jewish community more than that. But you know, to some extent, it's a pretty good defense. It exposes it exposes Jewish racism because, like, what do you mean? Like, because the thing about from even from the the from the normie perspective as a Christian, if someone else claims to be Christian, basically within our doctrine, like, I can't really accuse you of not being a Christian, right? That's between you and God. So, like, we look at it as like, well, they say they're Jews. Like, what do you mean they can't be Jews because they're black? And like, fundamentally, yeah, that is why, <laughs> right? But you know, that's not really understood. Well, it's, it exposes the hypocrisy yes. to, you know, you know, of you know, of Jewish racial thinking, where you're saying, "Well, no, I mean, Judaism is a race, and Kanye is not part of it. He can't self-identify as a Jew in the same way you could self-identify as a Christian, and we reject your ability to self-identify as a Jew." And uh, you know, I've made arguments in the past that you know, generally, America, it's better for Jews to allow self-identification that we're just American citizens who choose to be Jewish and organize as American citizens. We're not Jews. Yeah. And, uh, you know, God forbid that, you know, like think we've talked about this on Brundle's channel about the decline of empire with like uh, God word in the stages and likelihood of decline of empire and what's going to happen. I think the example like Germany and uh, England of, you know, maybe being able to rally behind fascism, America's too big and too divided. I think balkanization is much more likely with the older Soviet Union that uh, you're not going to be able to have one person uh, rally together America and uh, you know the likelihood of balkanization uh, seems the most likely here. I, I think I mean, my the ultimate the best goal would be like some sort of decent like a movement towards a European Union like a decentralization with still like a maintain mutual defense like the nuclear shield like in our oceans um and like it i mean that's what the united states government was supposed to be right just like you guard the fence okay and well, it would be like ukraine with the you know so if the u.s balkanized and you had nuclear weapons where ukraine agreed to give back their nuclear weapons to russia that if there was a balkanization and there's nuclear weapons in various territories that uh um you know, maybe there there would be some sort of uh, dismantling or or control of the weapons, and 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 you know, God forbid, um, you know, the Russian Jews that came to America, um, a lot of places life got better when the former Soviet Union fell and they were new territories. A lot of places it got worse, and the, a lot of people just left. And you know, so as a Jew, fundamentally, you know, it's a trope of anti-Semitism and the dual loyalty. Uh, but uh, you know, there's a certain element that we do have Israel, and to think, well, things are getting worse here, and uh, you know, that's what Israel's for. And 
Okay, uh, let me jump in. Uh, Ricardo, what do you think about the rise of Christian nationalism? Are there any exponents of it who you think are doing a particularly good job? Maybe Doug Mastriano or Vox Day or the guy who owns Gab? Um, I don't really pay attention to, like, individuals. And I think, like, a lot of those names are just cranks. Like, Vox Day is a crank. I mean, he says interesting things sometimes, but... You know, he's a crank, and it, I don't really – it's not – it's a lot of negativity, you know. It, Luke, I've been thinking many times recently about some of the things we talk about sometimes, and um, it is like, like, you know, Twitter, the whole thing, like the dissident right, all of it, it's like it is so negative, you know. And I, I can't I, – I try, like, not to – consume it all day long because it rubs off on me yeah but, you think of course yeah i mean all that, right, right, it like puts me absolutely. it puts me in a foul mood it yes. puts me in a foul mood <laughs> Luke, did you yeah. answer your own question with torva you're saying can you think of a you know figure that has been out there with anti-semitism and is torva the example that, uh, that they've no, been hitting no. on him for a few years and he's still posting tweets Worse than Kanye. See, I think someone like Kanye. See, the thing about Kanye is like, see, the truth is, is that Christians really need like a revival, and like a new like sense of purpose, and uh, like Kanye. Like, it's not that he hates Jews. Like, it's just you know, I, I feel like a lot of times when we talk about anti-Semitism, it's like this reflex of like criticism of Jews. Like, there's this direct link to like genocide and it's just not there like to the degree that a lot of people think it is yeah i mean and kanye, i just kanye is not one-tenth as critical of jews as the hebrew bible is right and like i feel that you know christians have to understand jews in order to like understand themselves i think and i think like the judeo-christian thing has like really been so i mean it's secularized both sides in, in a bet and, and hurt us both you know well, the whole, whole American experiment has secularized all sides because to be an American, it means you essentially give up the exclusive claims of your religion. So right, which like just completely – which makes everybody like inval – which invalidates the whole thing. It's like, well, I guess it's just not serious. Yeah, it just religion is not allowed to be serious. Yeah, the, the religion of America is civility, and, and no one's actually allowed to actually believe the exclusive claims their religion or you're out of step with being American. Right. So I think that that that's not like sustainable in the long term. And I think Christian nationalism is a vehicle that'll lead. Like, I think that we need, you know, I was talking about this the other day where, you know, like what's become clear, at least in, for me in the past 10 years, is that the United States and the Soviet Union basically had the same goals and they just disagreed about the means by which to achieve them. You know, all the, the three made, you know, the American, French and Russian revolutions are just, you know, the series of revolutions that overthrew, you know, the king, the Christian Kings of Europe. And, you know, we've done it for a couple hundred years, but, you know, history shows that this is not like a sustainable, like form of government. And I think like, as these like institutions, collapse in terms of like lost legitimacy new ones new effective 
uh, institutions which are like necessarily led by like strong men capable of creating them are going to take its place and, and hopefully, but like those things like need some sort of legitimacy like you need God in that. And I think someone like Kanye, like I said, like America needs a revival where he's an artist, like he's like a priest, not he's a priest, but priests are artists they're not accountants right like there's something irrational and like outside of like logical thought that like you know like a prophet type like gives them power you know like it makes them effective and kanye has like the gift of language and you know and also i'm curious like what do you think about these jesus have you seen these jesus commercials on like the nfl commercials yes, like the I, NFL have. Games? I mean i think it's what is amazing. that about uh, I mean, I, I remember the same thing on secular radio, like on Sunday mornings, I drive into my job at the local radio station and there was this show that would combine like the latest, greatest pop music with, you know, kind of uplifting Christian conversation. And, and so I, I think it's fantastic to see, you know, Christians out there offering, you know, the, the message of salvation dur during secular space, such as an NFL game. And, and I'm just thinking, Ricardo, would you not like an America where being anti-Christian was as every bit as socially taboo as being anti-Jewish? Can you imagine that? I mean, it's hard yeah. to even imagine an America where being anti-Christian brings with it the same consequences of being anti-Jewish. Because right now, Why being anti-Christian makes we should make no that there's no price to be paid for being anti-Christian. But See, if you're anti-Jewish, it's the end of your, your career. But why can't we Remember make that New deal? York Times article? I would love to make that deal. Right. Well, it's very hard because Christians simply refuse to act in their own self-interest. I mean, the reason that being anti-Jewish is so taboo is because Jews made it so. Like Jews organized and spent billions of dollars and did a lot of hard work. Christians can't be bothered to take their own side. I just don't understand why Christians are so weak. You know what? I, I don't think that Christians understand like the power. Well, no, actually, I think like real like when you fundamentalist Christians understand the power of media and they block their kids from it. Um, but it's like the normie, the massive people don't understand that they're being programmed by the television. They think it's just entertainment. Like I, I'm smart enough to like not be influenced by it. They're not conscious of, they don't watch it critically. They just sort of like, you know, it shapes your like understanding of the world, like the part of the world that you don't see every day. Like, and so you form assumptions about how the world works based off your experience, which you see coming from the television. And like, this is how like the attitudes are shifted, you know? And I think like, I don't know. And also, yeah, I think, but I think, uh, I don't know. I think it's good for the Jews to like have a loss every once in a while. Because I think it just keeps it from getting it, you know, like I, I think like the more, the more suppression, like the bigger you're like building up the volcano so that when it does pop, it's like worse. Just imagine, yeah, just imagine American college campuses where you have to undergo mandatory sensitivity training and at, at work, you have to go undergo mandatory sensitivity training to make sure that you're not anti-Christian.
Like you say something anti-Christian, you have to undergo mandatory Christian sensitivity training. Yeah, I support that. Could you imagine that? I mean, it, it's taken for granted that that's what you do, you know, with race or anti-Jewish or anti-gay sentiments. Oh, mandatory sensitivity training. But uh, anti-Christian, no worries, mate. Yeah. Well, you know, it could be the Jews win from this in the end because, I mean, God forbid that you know, Jews live in urban areas. And in reality, like we do have strong African-American connections and demographically whites continue to lose christians continue to lose and you know the likelihood that you're going to have an interracial christian um power structure is very unlikely that the black christians and white christians are going to unite for some sort of christian nationalism and so if the jews play this dangerous battle um you know so we suffer the violence of blacks in urban areas but at the same time the blacks protect us from whites and uh, relatively black easy on us and you know that serve the purpose to scare white nationalists and to further wrestle away control of america and you know thinking that you know kanye west although right now he's saying some things reality he still partners with jared kushner like almost all of his partners uh besides adidas are still uh, jewish you know that's why they're hitting that uh, adidas and uh, he might come back to the Jewish community, uh, you, you know, like, you know, God forbid against Whitey and, uh, you know, the sense that it's a political ploy for elections. And we let the, you know, let them, you know, the real goal is to, uh, you know, scare the whites. And uh, weapons, Ricardo, are you pro weapons? No, I've never done that. I've always been afraid of just blowing my brain out or something uh moon man throws down a ten dollar super chat taking the side of christians is a weak posture for an elite christian to take during intra-elite status competitions even persecuted christians abroad yeah it, it's kind of sad how little interest christians have in the the genocide and the persecution and the torture and the suffering of, of fellow christians abroad but the problem is, is that every secular per you have the thing is, is like that the secular masses have no appreciation for like, like if I was to like voice the gripes of Christians, you'd get a lot of like, well, come on, man, it's the Holocaust, and then like they just their ears shut off, and it's so it's like, this all has to do with like how kids are educated at seven years old. You know, just because you went to church, like, you got your education and your morals from the public school that you attended, you know? And that's that's what's going on. Like, who controls the curriculum? And, and, like, here's – it's it's secular people. Like, when, you know, Dewey would say, like, I, you know, I don't think it's Judaism that is, like, making Christian youths, like, more worried about the Holocaust than, like, you know, massacres that Christians have suffered in, in history were, you know, so I think it's like a little bit unfair to, you know, like say, well, we're in charge. Why are you not in charge? Like, well, we hold all the levers of power. And like, the thing is, is that, you know, I mean, we've talked about this, you know, like power changed hands a long time ago. And like, I don't, Listen, I just don't expect, like, 
that like the current state of affairs is going to continue for much longer because I think it's just eventually like even these like these people of color coalitions like they're gonna like ally with Jews to like take down Whitey. But then like once they're got the numbers, like why are they gonna what why are they gonna tolerate Jewish control? Because right? of multiculturalism. Yeah, but they they're don't care. They don't, that, they don't that, believe in that. That's like that's like saying I believe in free speech when in reality I would like to enforce like anti Christian speech codes, right? Yeah, but it's like at the point, I mean, Luke shared that New York Times article about, you know, like the Hindus and the Muslims and the Hispanics. So, uh, you know, at a certain point, there's going to be group conflict. And, you know, we talked about also COVID-19 and, and uh, Orthodox Jews and our strategy that, you know, God forbid Jews make a big deal when we suffer violence and anti-Semitism. But for a certain level, if it's a game of chicken, that other groups will call chicken before the Jews. And even in terms like urban crime, like we see that Jews still live in urban areas, even, to, you know, God forbid Jews start getting killed and beat up and it's serious, that Jews will probably continue to, you know, to Jew and do what we do in urban areas and suffer the losses as opposed to the whites that abandon uh, the cities. And then, you know, once the blacks are in control of the cities, they'll make a deal with the Jews. And then like in LA, where you have a you know city council, you have Hispanics and Asians, and and you know so that's where Jews thrive the most is uh, being a priest to nation and mediating between inner ethnic conflicts. Here's where here's where like the racial alliance breaks down, is that the LGBT stuff is a bridge too far, and it's like, you know, it will bring Muslims together with Christians, and blacks certainly, and Latinos certainly, like. Like, are you kidding? I mean, th this is, I think, the downfall of the Rainbow Coalition, you know, was the, the sexual minorities. And, uh, like, in a way, like, Christian nationalism is, like, the perfect opposition to it. Like, it's, it's, a moral, it's a moral war. And, like, it offends, like, the Christian morality of, like, the majority of the United States. Like, even those who necessarily don't go to church like they know deep down that like all this shit is wrong so so how comfortable are you with living in christian community ricardo i'm not going to press you for, for details about your life now but you know you've had some life experience have you lived immersed in in church life or is christianity more of a political posture for you i have I have many, many, many years, and I grew up in it for sure. But I think, like, you know, deep down, I it's it's like the people, like the most, uh, they're asleep. I don't know. I don't know what to say. But I also feel like that's me, like staying on the outside when I know, like, I should be on the inside, and I choose not to. And that's like, you know, I mean, it's like my uh, own problem. Nick Fuentes, like he's all about Jesus, but there's absolutely zero Christianity that, that seems to shine from any of his choices. It seems to be purely a political posture that there's that there's nothing, you know, in, in the teachings of Christ that seems to reflect right, themselves. You, in Nick you know Fuentes. what it is? You know what I think it is? I think it's like an understanding of yourself as like a flaw. Like there's people that like. 
okay we have an environment where like it's a hard choice to like live that lifestyle it's all it, or like in that community then like in a situation where like everybody does it right like if it's mandatory then everybody does it right mm -hmm. or you have more pressure like you have those guardrails in your life because people don't you know if given a choice not everybody's going to do it but they understand like they need it they need the accountability but they're not they don't have the you know so it's like man i kind of feel like i hate how much like I hate how much like temptation there is in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, not many. People it's like, why is this stuff being thrown in my face? Yeah, the the disciplined Christian life. Uh, you know, it's only for maybe one out of ten people who espouse Christianity. Only one out of ten, you know, maybe actually walks the walk. Right, and like for instance, like when I used to, um, when I smoked cigarettes, like in all the times I wanted to quit, I always felt like I wish it was banned because I can't handle it. You know, and it's like, uh, yeah, there, there are just so many temptations. Now you go on the internet, you turn on the TV, you go to a gym, you know, you walk into a store, like there's just a, a bombardment against leading a, a godly life. Yeah. Because I, you know what it is? It's almost like, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. It was like, my dad always told me like to stay away from certain things because we had addictive personalities. It's like, what is the addictive personality? And it's like, Maybe we're like, like, you know how obese people like just can't handle how much food is available. Like yes. they, like in a normal, like evolutionary biology, like they're more able to survive because they can s survive on less or something. Right. But they're poisoned by the plenty. And I feel like I, I'm a dopamine addict or something. You know, yeah, like I yeah. can't. Definitely. And, and like, so like, I wish I lived in like, a fucking world where like all i knew was like playing with sticks and rocks you know yeah fewer choices to self-destruct like you know if if i had to choose like every time i i went online you know i had to like click something to say no pornography like that would make me more susceptible to pornography it, it like if if i had junk food in the house i'd eat it you, yeah you, you absolutely to, you know you have to this, put up all sorts it, of yeah no barriers. It, it's a hundred percent. And this is where like, it's funny. Like one of the arguments me and my wife has, is like, she'll go to the grocery store and like buy shit, presumably for like my Sunday eat junk or whatever for a kid. And like, I'll eat it. And she's like, why do you eat it? I'm like, because you buy it. Like I don't buy it. And there's times like I throw this shit away because I'm like, I'm going to be that one that ends up eating it. I, I work from home. I come yeah. downstairs and refill my coffee. And it's like, Oh look, the freaking cookies. And that's a, that's like, I can't, I can't live in a, in a room of cookies all day. I will be 300 pounds. You know what I mean? Yes. So, I mean, like, uh, discipline is a key thing. Renunciation, the Anglo value of temperance and renunciation. But like, it's I'm very hard. Do it's very that hard. I can get away with doing because I'm Anglo and we are renunciates. And we, you know, like, like, wasn't that like one of the key Anglo values? Yeah. Well, it, listen, there's no question it's hard it's hard to put your finger on i mean there's no question that like i can only i can only control like i i am only myself and like i have to deal with like my strengths and weaknesses and make the best out of whatever that is but it's but it's like how much of i i don't know i just really like, like to shape an environment that is healthier for me I mean, Christianity was replaced 
or Anglo values was replaced with consumerism. Even like Ordorno in his writing in the '60s, where he you know hit the nail on it, uh, but but saying like the main thing, uh, like Halloween is coming, and like you know why is everyone celebrating Halloween? Because uh, you know, largely because of consumerism, and uh, you know, so you could be you're not required to be a consumer, but uh, mainstream culture, entertainment, uh, business, uh, American capitalism is largely you know, American culture is consumerism. Uh, Ricardo, have you been following the Cowboys this year? Yeah. The amazing. What a run under Cooper Rush. Do you, do you think well, that they should go with him as a QB1? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, he seems I, to, I think it's, to be a better I think, leader. Uh, I think he has a better case for it than Dak did five years ago when they wasted what should have been a Super Bowl on freaking on not understanding that Dak never had to, like, do anything because Ezekiel that, that running. I mean, he never had to play without a lead. He's terrible. Anyway, he's still terrible. He came out and sucked, man. He's and Cooper Rush is such a white guy. He is so understated. He is so undramatic. He is so unself-centered. There's nothing in him that says, "Look at me, look at me." Yeah, he's such a, a team player. He's such like a Bill Belichick type player. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Anyway, okay. I got to run, guys. Okay. Um, it Thanks, was great man. to talk to you all. Good to talk to you. Okay, uh, David, any final words, David? Yeah, they're so exciting times. You know, the Kanye West, so see what happens. Um, you know, I think elections are coming, and that's probably one of the reasons this is in the news, because you probably could have just ignored it. You know, okay, they kicked Kanye off, um, but uh, yeah, I think it's because of elections coming up. Israeli elections are... November 1st and then the American election. So it's going to be um, interesting. And then you'll probably, you know, as generally American uh, interest in the subject will decline after elections. So, you know, so for us news guys, you know, focus on the next few weeks. Well, there's larger public interest before it uh, falls away. So uh, your yeah, blessings, Luke, take care. Okay. Take and care. Uh, blessings. Bye-bye.